This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. What is up, everybody? Alex here, finally joined by James, the man himself. He moved this week. He got internet set up tonight. Thanks so much. Uh, I feel like you're my long lost pal at this point. I'm back. I'm very glad to be back, everybody. Um, Yeah, it's been a really hectic week. I spent all of last weekend pretty much packing and getting ready to move, moved down on Sunday. And then this week has just been chaos working, coming home, trying to unpack, get everything set up. I had a bunch of furniture delivered yesterday, so I spent about three hours putting together a bed. Um, So it's been kind of crazy. But in the midst of all that, I've been able to try to keep up with all the all the Everton news throughout the week. Trying, let's be honest, you did a fantastic job at it because we love it, right? Yeah, and I mean, you held it down yesterday with Zach. Hopefully everyone listened to that episode. Um, Good stuff from him and and a really good guest to get on. Um, But I still think that I'm superior in every way. So I'm glad to be back to to give you the assist. I think think that's true. That's why you're a staple. But I I was pretty sad because when I was going to upload it, I realized, and we talked about this earlier, but I realized it was our 100th episode, and you know I had to I had to announce the fact that it was our 100th episode. Although it did sting a little bit because uh, you weren't there. I know, man. I mean, so I probably wasn't there for what the first 20 or so, and then joined up, joined the force, and then yeah, I, I was gonna bring it up as like kind of a gripe that I had that you let let me or let us release the 100th episode without me. But at the end of the day, it's just. It's just another episode, really. It just happens to be the one that falls on a significant number, but it's just the first hundred. We've got many hundreds more to come. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, all you listeners out there are down for that. Yeah, I surely hope so. I guess it is ultimately up to them. So let's get right into it. First, I'd like to talk about this like 20-minute-long interview with Marcel Brands that dropped today on the Everton website specifically. Unfortunately, in order to watch the entire video, uh, you had to be a member. Luckily, we are. Um, but there's there's been a lot of a lot of the quotes floating around Twitter and social media. So, first thing that stuck out to me in, in the video and in the interview with Marcel Brands, it was mostly talking about our transfer strategy for the summer, and he pretty much hit on every single player. But the first thing for me was Moise Keane. He was talking about Moise Keane, and apparently. He tried to get Moise Keane on loan last winter before he even really broke into the Juventus first team squad and before he even made a senior cap for Italy. And he talked about how it wasn't possible then. Obviously, he ended up being pretty prominent for Juve the second half of the season. But he said specifically that he knew it was going to be much tougher this summer because of the fact that he popped off with six goals and 13 appearances for Juve and then two goals and three ap- appearances for Italy. Yeah. Firstly, I just want to comment on the, the the paywall situation with Everton is kind of a bizarre move because theoretically you would think you want as many people as possible to be able to be exposed to this content and get access to it. I guess it's a calculated business decision on their part because they want to sell those premium memberships, which you know, whatever the club club has their business decisions. I just don't happen to agree with it, but it was a very interesting interview. And if you are a member or aren't a member, I'd recommend, you know, paying the th- whatever it is, 30 bucks or so to join um, because it, there is some good content that I'm sure this is just the first of many videos that will come out throughout the course of the season. And if you're an international member, you get a nice little, uh, little swag bag, I guess you can call it 
But onto the Moise Keen stuff. Um, yeah, really interesting to kind of get a glimpse behind the curtain of what goes on with Marcel Brands and how you know shrewd and calculated of a businessman he is, and also just kind of reflects how little really any journos, ITKs, or anyone supposedly knows, which is kind of a point I've been harping on, so to speak. It's crazy because these moves, they pop up out of nowhere in the media, maybe a week or so before, and everyone thinks that, you know, the the whole deal hangs in a ba- in the balance. But what, what I really took away from his comments on Keen and other players was just how long of a process this really is. Like you said, he mentioned talking about trying to bring him in on loan before he broke through the scene. Um, and that just reflects like how well he operates under the radar and how he's able to just keep everything under wraps, which gives us a better position to negotiate for players like Keen in the summertime. But it is nice to know that even though from, from an outside perspective, from a fan's perspective, it seems like maybe we were leaving business late or these deals were popping up out of nowhere to know that behind it all is a man with a very calculated strategy and he knows which players he wants. And it's not just picking a player out of a hat and going for them. It is long-term. And he talked about, you know, all the, all the assessment and, and uh, judgment that goes into deciding if a player will fit in the Everton scheme, if they're capable of playing in the premier league, you look at stats, he watches film, all that, yada, yada, yada. Um, but it, it was just very enlightening. Although I kind of suspected a lot of it um, to, to hear the man himself speak about all of that was, was really interesting. And, and it shows how ambitious he is that he was willing to go after a, a highly touted player like Moise Keane and after his breakout season that we were then able to convince him that Everton was the right spot for him to continue his development. Absolutely agreed. Going off on a bit of a tangent, but it's getting, it's, it's really annoying seeing a lot of fans talking about, you know, the center back issue. Obviously nobody in the entire world wanted to see us not sign a center back before the window closed, but it's understood that things just, they get difficult during the market. He mentioned specifically, actually, even before Moise Keane that I think it was before Moise Keen, uh, the talking point. He talked about how players like Juan Basaka essentially opened up the market at huge valuations. And then he went on to say that even average players going from one Premier League team to another went for absurd valuations. And, and all of these things kind of build onto what you have to play, pay for another player or, or how a club might value their player, i.e., um, Wilfred Zaha, for example. I think any fan in the right mind would know or should know that Marcel Brands has a plan always. And, and it just, you can't always control the situation when it, when it comes down to how late you might sign players. Everyone was pretty disgruntled at how late we, we left signing quite a few players. But at the same time, you know, what's more important? Is it the quality of player and a good deal? Or is it let's sign a mediocre player or, or a, a higher risk player at a higher fee because we want them in three weeks earlier. Right. And that's and what I took away from a lot of the interview was, and he spoke to this point specifically, was that if it's a player that he doesn't think can improve the squad, then it's not worth bringing in, which kind of is obvious and at face value doesn't really make much sense. But then you look back at the Wilfred Zaha saga and you think about, does it, would it have really made sense for us to splash that much cash on a single player who really is not maybe getting still not yet entered his prime theoretically? 
but is his resale value really going to be there? And right now, um, we're really trying to just sort of establish a new reign of of stability at the club. And that was another thing he talked about was he wants to get us to the point where we're not having to make six or seven signings every summer, um, where we have to make maybe two or three tops. And so that was very reassuring that he has that long-term aim. Um, although I do really like the, the business that we've done because it's been very exciting for Evertonians over the last couple of summers. But, but all in all, what I took away was just how... 100% confident I am that this is the guy that's going to get us to where we want to be is where the fans want us to be, where we're going to be competing for top tier players week in, week out. Um, and, and to kind of segue into our next point, talking what he what he said about uh, JPG, Jean-Philippe Gabamin, that he'd been tracking him since he was at PSV. And eventually he was outbid by them, uh, by, by Mainz to try to sign him. And he still kept tabs on him, still watched him f- further his development. And now that he's at Everton, he went back in and decided that was, uh, it was the time to make that type of signing. And of course, now we can pay those wages for the top tier players. Yeah. And, and on top of that, he also mentioned, I'm not sure if it was in this interview or not that, or no, no, no JPG mentioned it in one of his interviews, maybe a couple days ago or a week ago that, that he's been in contact with Marcel Brands, even prior to this window, I think in the winter window, he just was not able to leave at that moment in time. And so again, that's another transfer that was in the works for the last eight months at the very least. And and it's even more interesting to understand that Marcel Brands personally was in contact with JPG for that long, because I didn't know that that happened as weird as that sounds. Yeah, no, because we don't really have that perspective, right? As fans, we just, we have a very, very tiny pinpoint into the inner workings of the club. And so what we get is what eventually leaks out and how much of that is even accurate. And and once it's out, once reporters are reporting on it, you of course have your tiers of sources and no one really knows what can be trusted, what cannot. And it turns out so much of what was reported about various transfers for Everton turned out to be false. And so to hear the man himself, hear it from a first person source, from an insider, from the man who's who's pulling all the strings, just fills you with so much confidence. He really seems to understand the club and also knows how to pitch the club to these type of really high quality young players. And it makes sense. Like you and now he also has a track record to stand on when you look at a player like Luca Dean, who was somewhat uh on the ropes at Barcelona, Andre Gomez, another example. You can come here and you can develop Kurt Zuma, another example, players who haven't been able to maybe fit in at whatever, wherever they're at or or need to make that next step in their career. Dean and Zuma both made their way back into the France squad. And then Andre Gomez, of course, now uh, kind of had a rebirth after having a terrible time at Barcelona. So you have those now you have kind of a, a resume, so to speak, not that he didn't before, but at the club that you're at now, he now has be can be able to to show these examples of players and say, hey, you know, this is the type of development that we envision for you. Um, this is, we can, you know, players are, we're improving players, we're making them better, we're furthering their careers. And that is only going to continue. And now with the next crop, this is only the second window, second summer, you've got, you know, what's Moise Keane going to do that's going to, there's a huge opportunity there to, to develop a lot of leverage to get players in the future as well. That's actually a really good point because I didn't think about the fact that he's developed a resume here at Everton specifically. Unless you are a diehard soccer fan in general, maybe like Zach that I had on, we had on the show yesterday. I I personally didn't know Marcel Brands existed until we started being linked with him as, as our director. And I'm sure a lot of these young players specifically like Moise Keane didn't either prior to this whole debacle. And so it is important, as you said, to show 
specifically what you can do at the club that you're at, specifically Everton in this instance. And, you know, when you're talking about how that looks to younger players like Moise Keane, actually Alex Awobi said specifically in an interview that he's seen what Marco Silva can do and he saw the exciting players that we've brought in, specifically Moise Keane. He he, he, uh, name-dropped Moise Keane and is hoping that he can make a name for himself like Marco Silva helped Richarlison. And that is directly to your point. And, and that's really exciting to hear because Awobi is, is a, is a very good signing. I think for the dollar value or the dollar value that we got him at as well. Now, switching back gears to Gomez, Andre Gomez real quick. So I think my last point on this brand's video, the brand's interview was the fact that he talked about getting Andre Gomez to Everton. And I think we can all agree. We probably underpaid for him as well. Marcel Brand said it was 100% the fans that got Andre Gomez to Everton and and also to Everton at the dollar value that we were able to pay for him because Andre wanted Everton. And he specifically said, Marcel Brand specifically said that other Premier League teams were interested. I know that Spurs were linked in the winter and then the summer. And yet he said, him being Brand said, Andre wanted Everton. And that helped in negotiations with Barcelona because I was all able to walk up and say, your player wants to come here. So how do we make this deal happen? Right. And that's just another that. I mean, that's a testament to us. So round of applause um, to all of our, us as fans for being able to lure Andre Gomez. But it's true. Like, and we know this from having interacted with many of these fans is that Everton fans are the best fans in the world. Um, we'll, we love our players. We support them through thick and thin, although some maybe, uh, in the park under Gladys street may get on a player, a young player like Tom Davies from time to time. And when you're actually at the stadium, but all in all, like we're a very passionate fan base, very knowledgeable fan base, not to toot our own horn. Um, and, and I think that's something that, that players can really feed off of and appreciate. And I think Andre Gomez really felt the love when he was here on loan. And I think probably from even a couple months in, he, he was starting to feel at home and understanding exactly what this club means to, to the fans and how much we support and love our players. And that's something that's kind of unique um, where Everton are situated, where we're, we're trying to push into that next tier where you look at, and not to, not to dismiss or, or diminish any other fan base, but once you get to a certain level of commercial growth or commercial size, there's just something intrinsic that's lost, I think. Um, and Everton have done such a good job of maintaining that, you know, staying true to their roots, um, which is something that personally attracts us, even though we, of course, are nowhere near Liverpool. I think that that is something that that, that speaks to us as, as overseas fans and is something that touches players as soon as they walk in on their first date at uh, Finch Farm or Goodison. I think all of us want to touch players, specifically. Uh, <laughs> I just want to run my hands through Gomez's hair. That's all. <laughs> That's it. Like you seen that jawline? <laughs> Damn, I know, man. It's so good. <laughs> All right, James. So now that you're done clowning around, uh, let, let's move into our Watford preview. So we have Watford coming to Goodison Park. This is the opening match at home for the 19 and 20 season. My first question to you, James: Are there going to be sirens? Yes. That's my that's my immediate reaction is absolutely there will be sirens and not because it's Watford because we'll touch on this in a little bit but I think Watford fans want to have a rivalry with us so bad and all all Evertonians like I mean we took your manager because we wanted to get your manager and we took one of your best players because we wanted one of your best players um, and there's a clear hierarchy between the two clubs no disrespect whatsoever to Watford um, full disrespect oh, shout out no 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 I'm not disrespecting anyone um, but. 
the moose is is okay. I mean, as far as as far as Cresco, it's it's fine, <laughs> and they have Elton John, so I mean that's pretty legit. But other than that, like that just. There's a clear hierarchy where Everton are sitting above Watford, no questions about it. Any fan that tries to dispute that is completely ignorant of history, but there will be sirens because it is the first match at Goodison Park. Need to get the crowd up, which I don't think I don't think the crowd on Saturday is going to need any extra motivation because it is going to be a very raucous atmosphere. Everyone remembers how well we finished off uh, our, our form at Goodison last season. And so I think the crowd are going to be very much interested in trying to to emulate the difficult atmosphere and get those get those home results because when Goodison is at its best, like it, it's a very difficult place for opposition to play. That's no new ground being broken with that statement. And I, I am even through the TV, I'm looking forward to just taking it all in um, because I think it's going to be popping, so to speak. No, literally it's going to be popping. We're going to pop out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I'm really excited about it. As you said, which may sound stupid, I'm sure there's a solid handful of, of of y'all listening that have been to Goodison Park and both of us will be extremely jealous but even just being able to watch it from the TV is it does kind of feel like home and I'm I love watching matches played at Goodison Park now here's someone that might also be excited to be back at Goodison Park good old Jerry Dale Lefeu last season I think the Everton fans at home against Watford uh they clapped for him maybe they sang for him and and he went over and handed his Watford uh, kit to an Everton fan, a young Everton fan. Um, how do you think he'll be received this season? Very well. I think every Evertonian has a very positive has very positive memories of Delafeu. Um, if you don't consider maybe his drawbacks as a player, maybe his downfalls, his fitness, um, you know, be, fall, coming in and out of games sporadically. I, I just don't, I think, I, I loved Delafeu when he was here. And despite the kind of back and forth we had with Barcelona, um, I'm glad that even though it's for Watford, he's found a level where he can consistently start and get game time because even in his time as a, in a blue shirt, he was it was clear that he's a very, very quality player um, and, and has a lot about his game that's that's very unique and he's very tricky and he's fast and, and he has actually turned into a fairly good finisher, which is something we didn't see when he was at Everton. Um, so I think he'll be received very well. I, I don't think, and he's commented publicly several times how how fond memories he has of of his time at Everton. And so I don't think there's there's any bad blood whatsoever. I think it'll be all cheers and, and clapping, unless of course he scores like a 90th minute winner or even scores a goal. Um, so so ultimately, like a, a very fond. Everyone loves. To, come on, Jerry. It's Jerry, guys. Come on, you got to love him. He's got the little floppy hair. He's got the tricks. Um, a great player and, and someone who probably we wouldn't have back at Everton at this point. Cause I think we've kind of moved beyond that, but when he was in a blue shirt, he was, he, he offered something no one else in our squad could offer. Except for stamina, <laughs> except for stamina. That's true. Fair. But like his, you know, you know what I mean? Like his game was, is so he, he has such a high flair. Um, and we were talking about players like Aaron Lennon at the time, like just something very different. Yeah. I mean, he had pace for days and he was exciting to watch and he, I mean, for the most part, he looked like he had a good time out there, which was always important to see, and and we like to see it. So it'll be. I mean, I'll be happy to see him back at Goodison Park. Hopefully, he just doesn't give us the finger guns near the corner flag because uh, that'll be unfortunate, regardless. Great so, heart. Zach and I talked about it yesterday, but just a very quick recap. So Watford in the transfer window. We all know how Everton did in the transfer window. Watford, however, they strengthened up top, so they signed Danny Welbeck. Um, assuming he's fit for the match. Yeah, I know. LOL, right? And then uh, they did sign uh, Saar, the left winger or the left midfielder. Um, 
And he's a very hot prospect. I call him a prospect. I mean, he's 20, 21 years old, but he's got pace for days. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he is used this season and, and how he can adapt to the Premier League itself. However, they did not strengthen their defense. Zach went as far as to say that their defense is probably, you know, bottom five in the league, which I'd probably have to agree with. Uh, it's it's aging and, and it's it's just really not that quality. But we know that the likes of Dale LeFayu, uh, they've got Andre Gray, they've got Troy Deeney who can bully any defender on his day, and they have a solid midfield. So I think it'll be a test nonetheless. It's not a game we can overlook. I mean, if the crowd's in it, and I think on paper we're clearly better than them, you just look at the quality of signings we, we've brought in and – um, I think what what emphasizes that point best is like when we were so when we were being linked with Keen, I saw a tweet. I can't remember who it was. I wish I could give them credit, but it was essentially like Everton linked with Keen, Everton linked with Diego Costa, Everton linked with all these big name strikers, and then it was like inevitably we're going to end up signing Danny Welbeck on a free. And turns out that we didn't, and that Watford are the ones that ended up with him. And so I think that kind of just emphasizes the uh, the chasm perhaps between the the, the negotiating power of the two clubs. But I think that SAR is a really quality, really quality signing for them. Um, they did a really good job getting him, him in, I believe on deadline day or close to it. So I don't know if he'll feature in this match. Um, it might be a little bit early for him to make his full debut, but he might come on as a sub. Yeah, I just think on paper, we don't know. I guess we don't even really know who's going to start because Delph came back into training this week. Andre Gomez, it looks like probably won't be able to feature but like first home match of the season, you've got to think that we're going to we're going to uh, get a result here and get all three points. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to whether or not we can actually score a couple goals, which I feel I feel confident we can. I watched the highlights from last match again today, and there were plenty of very good chances. A couple cleared off the line, obviously, in the first couple of minutes, Sigurdsson just kind of whiffed his which which should have been a goal by his standards. So ideally we can take advantage, but you know, I think priority number one will have to be, you know, starting solid from the back and moving forward. I also have I hold out hope that another week brings a whole lot better physical fitness and, and it'll allow us to perform at a higher level as well. I mean you well, one would think that if we've been through all of preseason, like one week's not gonna get us that much more fit now that we're actually playing week in, week out. But I but I understand your point. Like we looked uh maybe a little bit sluggish, a little bit rusty against Crystal Palace at times last week. Depending on what the lineup that we roll out with, um, I do expect us I mean, we're gonna command possession. I saw on uh, I think it was who scored that we are currently like third in the league for total possession, showing how much we dominated the ball against Palace. And that was a way, obviously. So now that we're home, you would have to think that we'll command probably 60 at least possession, if not close to 70. And the question is going to be if, if we're going to be able to break them down, because although Watford do a lot on the counterattack, they are dangerous because Delafeu can break a game open with his pace. I, I, It's going to be about converting chances. And we know that it's it's been well documented that we're, we're going to struggle against teams that sit in and break it down or or we're going to struggle to break down teams that sit in and want to just let us keep the game in front of them and let us uh, kind of just play around pass between our center backs is. And I think, you know, we've, we've talked about it a little bit. Gilfie's absence or invisibility in last week's game. He's kind of the key that unlocks everything. If he can get more involved and is able to kind of come maybe a little bit deeper and not play quite so much as that second striker, receive it 
and able to feed our forwards, whether it be end up being Calvert-Lewin or Keane who gets the start. I suspect Calvert-Lewin, but but that remains to be seen. Are we going to be able to break them down? Because I think they're going to be resilient. They're going to be very uh, stubborn and and they know that it's going to be a really intimidating atmosphere. So I think the crowd really do have a, a role to play on Saturday from the kickoff because if we had if we can score an early goal, then I think it could be a really, really bad situation for Wofford. I think so as well. So I'm going to skip past Pickford and the defense. I think that's really undisputed as to who we could think or prefer to start in those positions. So let's talk about the midfield. We're in a bit of a conundrum because Schneiderlin, as we all know, uh, cannot feature this weekend or tomorrow. Uh, yeah, this weekend. Gomez, we are going to, I think, safely assume that he will also not be featuring. So in the midfield, in the center of the midfield, that leaves us with Sigurdsson, Tom Davies, JPG, and maybe Delph, right? Because Delph joined training this week. So who do you think is going to start in the center of the pitch? I wouldn't hate to see Tom Davies get a go instead of, I know we. it's kind of, I think a lot of fans are under the assumption that that Davies' role this season will be to serve as a backup to Gilfie Sigurdsson. I also still think it's too early for Alex Awobi to try to come in at the, in the midfield, or I guess as the number 10, maybe Gilfie could drop deeper. I don't expect to see that. So I'm going to, I'm going to think that if Delph's back in training, that he's going to be given a go. So it'll be Delph. Um, Sigurdsson at the 10. And then I think you just got to probably go with Davies and rely or no, I think it's going to be, sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to revise that really briefly. I think JPG's going to get the start considering he came on. Um, it was clear he was Marco Silva's first choice off the bench in that role. So it'll be him Delph and I think Sigurdsson and, um, I think Delph will play a little more advanced and I think maybe that will help bring out a little more of his, uh, his offensive mindset. That's my prediction. Um, I'll throw it over to you, Alex. What do you think? I really hope that JPG does not get the start. I want to go with Delph, Tom Davies, and Gilfie Sigurdsson. That's because, if we're going to be honest, he showed some pretty good energy and and desire. I liked how he was able to bring the ball forward, and I liked his physicality. However, he was 100% not fit yet, and he was sluggish. He did not understand the system, uh, and so that really hindered his ability in his defensive positioning. And then furthermore, we saw Crystal Palace's forwards um, dispossess him two or three times in a row from behind and then start a counterattack immediately because of his, you know, kind of slow decision-making and not being used to the, the tempo of play in the league. So I'd rather see JPG come off the bench, which I think would be a, a very strong possibility for whichever midfielder does not start. But I'm going to go with, with Delph, Tom Davies, and Gilfie Sigurdsson. However, the front three, um, I, I think the front three is probably even less disputed than the midfield, but let's hear your front three. Yeah, I still think it's too early for a lot of the new signings to feature as in a starting role. So I do think we'll just see the front three of Bernard, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and then Richarlison on the right. I think maybe he gives Keane, depending on how DCL performs, I think he'll, he maybe yanks him around the 50 to 5 to 60 minute mark and gives Keane a little bit more time. Um, but I think it's it's definitely a slow process for a player that young. I know a lot of fans are ch- champing at the bit to to see him start and just see what the kid can do. But you have to remember he's 19 years old, new league, all of these factors that play into it, a lot of adaption for him to do or adaptation. So yeah, I just think we keep the front three. I think, you know, what we saw last season was Marco Silva wanting to kind of take things slow and not rush anybody. And I know I kind of contradicted myself by saying JPG would start, but as far as the front three go, I, th- I think now he feels confident with the established players who have been together for a season. So 
I don't expect to see any changes to the front line. Do you? No, nah, I think that's spot on. It's going to be Bernard, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and Richarlison. I'm very interested to see how uh, Richarlison performs against Holebas, which Zach and I kind of covered um, yesterday. But uh, I, I think I really hope that Rich Richie has a a big day because you know off of his success from last season, uh, scoring quite a few goals in a blue shirt, uh, winning the Copa America with Brazil. I think he should be sky high on confidence. And so it should be exciting to see. And I want to see him get a hot start to the league, to league play this season already. Now, I want to know, do you think, I mean, you you said you think Moise Keane will feature, but do you think part of it could also be the fact that we could see Moise Keane and or JPG, depending on if he starts, as as you've kind of um, talked about, do you think it'd be important to get them on the pitch regardless, just to give them that home reception immediately? That's a really good point, actually. And I think, well, yes and no, because though it's the first game of the season, there's still plenty more to go. And so I don't think there's any need to like rush that just for the sake of it. That being said, if the, if we're getting on into the second half and it's nil-nil or we're perhaps down a goal or even if it's a, if it's a one-goal game, say, I think bringing on one of those players would really help get the crowd. If the crowd's waning, which I don't think it will be, but you know, just that impact that a sub like that can have seeing a new player finally on their home field for the first time. Um, I think it could have quite an interesting effect on the atmosphere at Goodison. And so that's a fair point. Um, though I, I still don't expect to see them start. I think again, stability and the tried and true is tends to be what Marco Silva go, goes for. He's not going to, um, do anything too drastic um, would be my guess. All right, James. And then one of my last questions for you on the lineup itself, and maybe this will be kind of a stupid question, but I want to see, I want to hear what you have to say. Do you think Alex Awobi makes the bench? No, I'm going to say no. Um, we know, I think it's still too early. I think Silva probably feels that he maybe has players who are more equipped to come in. Um, that being said, we are pretty thin at winger. And so if he is looking for an impact sub off the bench, maybe that is an option he would consider. Um, but but my gut feeling tells me no, not just yet. I think next week and the weeks after, we will start to see him integrate with the squad. But still, because he was so late in the window, I still think it's too early for him. That's fair. So maybe it wasn't a stupid question because I have to agree. You know, you, you have to think that Theo Walcott is going to be above him on the depth chart at least this weekend, you know, because we're not desperate for our substitute winger to come on and desperate enough to have someone that's not fit and not integrated into the system well enough. So past the lineup, let's wrap things up and let's talk about key personnel for the match. So for Everton specifically with kind of the lineups that we've discussed, who do you think uh, the most important couple of players are going to be for us and why? I think you have to start with Yeri Mina who started the season so well last week, a really resolute performance. Although Crystal Palace really didn't offer that much going forward, he still passed almost every single test or every single moment of pressure he was put under with flying colors. So I think, you know, that's going to be an ongoing saga throughout the course of the season, as long as both of them are fit, how that relationship between Michael Keane and Yuri Mina um, sort of develops and, and how they acclimate with each other. And then in the midfield, I think you have to look at a player like Fabian Dell for turning from injury coming in for probably one of our most key players in our entire side and Andre Gomez, that second midfield spot that isn't Gilfie Sigurdsson or this the defensive midfielder is so key to how we play because we know that as soon as Gomez went out, we really lacked, and it was minimal to begin with, we lacked anything through the middle of the field. It was all coming down the flanks. And so if Fabian Delft can be the type of player who's able to 
bring the center of the field into play and where we're able to build and maybe bring it into the middle, spray it out wide, come back through the middle. Um, it just makes it so much more difficult for Wofford to defend us. And that's what's going to be so important to breaking down a side that doesn't want to give up a goal. Um, and so I think, yeah, whether it's Fabian Delph or whether it's Tom Davies, who's ever in that second midfield spot, I think is probably the most important player that we have because I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin will do what Dominic Calvert-Lewin does. And then if Richarlison can have a moment of brilliance, of course, um, we could be in a really good position. But as far as build-up play, I think we just look so stagnant and so out of ideas as soon as the creativity goes out of the middle of the field. So I'm going to say that that's going to be uh, Fabian Delft's job on Saturday. You know, I was going to go for someone easy like Sigurdsson or Richarlison, but now I feel ashamed because uh, you really approached it with some some less than dazzling uh, player choices. However, the logic there was solid, James, and and I must say, you really you really showed us what you're all about. Well, give me what you think, Alex. Are, are you gonna? Do you think Sigurd? I, I mean, I think Sigurdsson clearly has a very important role to play because similar to Delph, he needs to help link things up. But but what do you think about? Because he didn't have a great game last week, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's got to be one of the players has to be Sigurdsson because really, I'm just gonna say our midfield as a whole. There are question marks about it. It's very safe to say Sigurdsson's going to play. So I think Sigurdsson has to be one of them. He didn't do well last week. Although if you watch the highlights, he had, I think, maybe like three shots. The most of everything. He had four. Ever I think he had four shots. There you go. Four shots. So people can say that he wasn't instrumental in the buildup. But A, there wasn't a whole lot of buildup because we had most of the ball and Palace sat deep. And B, you know, you can have all the ability in the world, all the physicality in the world, all the pace in the world, but if you're not getting shots off, shout out Dominic Cowart-Lewin, then it doesn't matter. So at the end of the day, Gilfie Sigurdsson getting four shots off, uh, one or two of them being saved off the line, then you know that that's important. But I think I think Gilfie Sigurdsson has a huge part to play, specifically catching them on on the counterattack and, and playing those lovely through balls that he he likes to play so much. And actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one for a loop here, and I'm gonna say Bernard on the left hand side. I'm going to say Bernard because of the fact that I think that he needs to have a much better season this season. Obviously, he offers a lot of pace, good link-up play with Luca Dean, but that's just not enough anymore for for us trying to break into the top six with a few of the weaknesses that we see in, in the likes of Chelsea and Man U and, and possibly Arsenal. He's going to have to start producing on the stat sheet. And, and so I want to see a big game from Bernard, specifically against... Uh, somewhat of a weaker defense and at home at Goodison Park. Yeah, and not to mention like a player like Bernard, really no player has their starting place totally safe. I think probably besides Pickford, I guess not. Their players with their spots relatively safe. Luka Dean, Michael Keane, Yerry Mina don't have too much threatening them coming from behind and Jordan Pickford. But other than that, there's really competition in all, all over the place in our midfield, especially. So, um, and you look at Bernard probably feels Alex Wobi. He's seen him in training now a couple times, probably feels him breathing down his neck a little bit. So it just ups the game of all of our players. So I do think Bernard is, is fighting not only for the shirt and for Everton, but for, to retain his, his place in the starting lineup as well. And may the competition begin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I'm really looking forward to watching the game. I always enjoy watching home matches a little bit more just because I know we're going to probably have a little more flair, a little more about us as a side with the crowd behind us. So uh, I can't wait for Saturday. Bring it on. And we absolutely need the three points. Otherwise, thank you so much for tuning in. We apologize for leaving it a little late this week. But nonetheless, look out for our post-match episode Saturday afternoon slash evening and up the toffees. 
Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.